It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the hydration watermelon smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks, Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. You've been a music journalist longer than I have, yes. slightly. Yeah. However, a year. Yeah. I mean, the, the uh, debate. Even though I'm younger, <laughs> child <laughs> prodigy, some calls me. <laughs> the debate about who is the more decorative, I guess, will go on until the enfant terrible of <laughs> oh, fucking the metal, Irish music scene. Metal Gear Solid over here. <laughs> the Coronas are called the Coronas because of the typewriter in Almost Famous, which is called a Corona typewriter. Danny O'Reilly's favorite film, and a, a film that apparently so inspired him, not the dynasty that he hails from, but. Cameron Crowe's seminal film, Almost Famous. I've only seen that once, and I did not get the hype whatsoever. It's a good film. I barely remember it. I do remember the vaccines publicly saying I was like Cameron Crowe out of Almost Famous when I was interviewing them, which was kind of annoying. I think it was like a backhanded compliment. In the name of Christ, did you turn a Coronas into into (laughs) Almost Famous like reminiscence session into the vaccines. This is definitely a very, very obvious Venn diagram, right? Almost Famous, the Coronas, the vaccines... You know Throw what? In the Maccabees, you know what? You? <laughs> Let's just not do the podcast this week, okay? I'm done. Hello, my name is Dave Hanratty and there will be no encore. Welcome to Craig, it's fucking episode 200. Yeah, we've <laughs> we've officially done more shows than there were episodes of Seinfeld, which I checked earlier on when I saw the running order. They did 180 episodes. We've done 200. We've done more than 200. we've nothing to show for it. Yeah, actually, we've done a lot of... Sorry, nothing to show for it. What do we have to show for it? Our friendship? Yes. <laughs> that would have been fine. Did you think that our friendship would last as long as it has? 
I yeah, I thought the friendship, though it would go through peaks and troughs as it always does, would be fine. I did believe a uh, friend of the show, Andrew Duffy, when we started this, and he was like, if you get to 10 episodes, that'll be a huge accomplishment. I was like, yeah, it will be. 10 episodes would be massive. 200 is quite a lot, so, and there's yeah. been more as well, and there's more to come. But this is a weekly music digest based out of Dublin. It's a no-encore podcast. Tell your friends, subscribe to our Patreon, which isn't available yet, but it's coming it's soon, coming. I swear. Um, we both at- had very, very busy weeks. <laughs> uh, I'm too busy over here, mate, going viral. So there you go. Yeah, maybe, maybe, a busy week maybe, <laughs> maybe we've got a few new listeners. So, Do you reckon, yeah? Well, let's talk about it, shall we? Okay. Real um, quick. So it, this was another example of um, Ireland's most fortnightly music magazine propping up your career. <laughs> <laughs> they took a lot from me. Yeah. Are we naming them? Yeah, of course. Hot Press. So you delved into the Hot Press archives uh, of a Thursday afternoon. And yeah. what did you find, Dave? So I got a press release on a Thursday afternoon announcing that picture this. My old friends were coming up in a year of me going to see them five nights in a row. Do check that article out. I swear it was fun. Uh, I got a press release on the Thursday and it announced that they had two support acts on their upcoming shows. Oh, so we all got it. It was doing the rounds. Here's some free publicity <laughs> for you, lads. Uh, on the support bill is Moncrief, a rising Irish singer-songwriter type lad, I believe. And also, Ella Eyre, a singer who broke through with Rudimental and has been a solo artist in her own right. I will confess, I thought Ella Eyre's time had kind of come and gone. Okay. And it turns out it hasn't. I mean, this op- is the turning point. Opening for picture this. I mean, it doesn't get much no, better. No, I meant the Dave boost. <laughs> oh, right. Well, the, the Dave boost happened shortly after because I did, in fact, yes, uh, through um, perhaps some kind of clandestine means because this article on Hot Press is behind a paywall. Uh, Ella Eyre was interviewed by Hot Press in 2014, Craig. Around the time of my acrimonious conscious uncoupling from the magazine. I remember it well. I'd gone out for lunch. <laughs> you were there. I came back from lunch. You weren't there. <laughs> Slightly more to the story, but maybe some other day. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, episode man. 300 <laughs> yeah if we make it that far if a friendship makes it that far it will so I guess okay well what happened next what happened next on th- Thursday afternoon um, as I look at my mentions spiraling out of control right now <laughs> tell us the latest actually the latest is that Accidental Partridge that famous Twitter account has like quote I, I don't want this to be too indulgent I guess here's what I'll do I took a screenshot from the article which is a real article yeah I was going to say it's not indulgent because it's not really about you this was a very hands off look what appeared in a magazine one time straight by <laughs> information yeah. my tweet as follows at journalism Han- <laughs> at Hanrady Dave on Twitter I said Ella Eyre supporting picture this who could forget the time when Ireland's most Enduring Music Bible ran the following actual exchange in print and then the following words dear listener ran in print quote although Ella's real surname is <laughs> do it again quote although Ella's real surname is McMahon she doesn't actually have any Irish blood yeah it is an Irish name I'm not Irish though she explains it's quite depressing really I'm actually Jamaican and one of my Jamaican ancestors was shipped over to Ireland to be a slave and then you take on your master's surname. So that's how I got the name, apparently. End quote. Next paragraph, written by the writer. Thankfully, the only thing Ella is a slave to is rhythm. It was worth it for the end, although I did feel deeply uncomfortable with you reading the quote. Brings you right anyway, back, doesn't it? It really does. Why yeah. didn't you stop it, Craig? You were there. I was kind of there. Um, I didn't see it till it went to fucking print. Yeah, I think this was actually <laughs> part jaw, of our... My jaw rem- had to be removed from the floor. I remember a group of us seeing it. I think it was part of our, um, you know, fortnightly Friday ritual or whenever the magazine comes out, Tuesdays, Wednesdays. Um, Thursdays, where we would- happy days. 
<laughs> they were happy days, Craig. We would go to the pub and get the new issue and see what surprises lurked within. <laughs> <laughs> so many of them. My favourite still remains the um, the Hot Press annual one year where there was um, obituaries page that actually went out with the headline, thanks for the memories and the sub that was like, we bid a fond farewell this year to the likes of. And it was a page that went to print um, emblazoned with the likes of Osama Bin Laden, uh, Gaddafi, I believe, was there. Um, who else was there? A pre-cancellation Jimmy Savile. Yeah, so we, we'll give them that one, maybe. But, um, yeah. <laughs> the following luminaries. Real murderer's row, quite literally. Yeah. <laughs> a fond farewell. It's, um, a fast, it's a fascinating place to work but Yeah, for. we've since bid a fond farewell. So, onwards and upwards, what's the future of this show, Dave? The future of this show is me probably getting a legal letter. <laughs> but, I, but I maintain that everything we've said is actually factually correct and we're not actually, like, saying anything untoward or insinuating anything. We're just presenting... Straight bad things. Uh, as for this show, which is still on the air, I hope, as the time of this episode coming out, um, we're we're going to do a thing now where we're going to like you know when we have interviews, you know we we often do interviews in the show, so we're going to separate them into their own episodes. I think is the yes, best way of doing it yeah. because um, we got like you know we're back a couple of weeks now. We got a lot of nice feedback about the show. We don't want to overload it, and also I I, I would worry that like good interviews, uh, as we often are privileged to have on the show, can sometimes be kind of lost. So. Uh, on Monday, after this show drops, I will be uh, presenting an interview with Lancome, who, mm. of course, on the week that the... Choice Music Prize. Yeah, Choice Music happens, Prize is right yeah. around the corner. They're my favourites. I don't know how it's going to go down. We'll obviously talk about it when it happens. But Lancome, to me, are one of the most exciting Irish acts around at the moment. They released an album last year called The Live Long Day, and it really kind of brought them onto a whole other level. There's an awful lot of love for this band. I saw them live at the start of the year. They make kind of like a mix of traditional Irish music and kind of punk and kind of droney kind of horror score soundtracky stuff. They themselves were like, we don't know how to fucking describe what we do. Just listen to it. What do you think of them, Greg? They're tremendous. Um, for a genre that I'm not particularly up to speed with or wouldn't, um, you know, naturally gravitate towards. We talked about them quite a lot last year. Um, every time I kind of sunk into their music, I really did sink into it. It's, it's something else entirely. Very earthy, very um, vibrant and just immediately arresting. So I think they're, yeah, a vital force. And if they won, I mean, it's such a stacked um, shortlist, but if they won, you couldn't argue with it. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Rady Pete and Daryl Lynch from the band a few days ago. And it was a hilarious thing because it was like Rady's phone broke and Daryl was just coming back from dropping in visa applications for the US. So I was like, oh, wow, the glamour of being in one of Ireland's kind of most interesting bands at the moment. Here's a teaser of what this interview will sound like and you get the full thing on Monday. Which is Which specifically is about that. Yeah, specifically about like Catholic Church and abortion rights and stuff. And I was like, well, I'll just, I'll sing that. And I, I suppose I won't, I won't say anything. And then his first question to me was like, you know, how, is, how important is folk music as protest music or something? <laughs> and I was like, lads, come on. So I was just, at that point, I, I just, I was like, nah, like, how am I not? This is, I actually wondered, I was like, did they deliberately set this up or are they just that? They really think I'm not going to say probably, this? They must not know what the song was. Like, I No, mean, weirdly, the producer had been at... Well, I won't say anything about specific people, but the people, <laughs> they knew the lyrics. People knew the lyrics okay. from things they said to me. So I was like, okay, hey, I may, well, I mean, like maybe they didn't get what it was about because I asked my mum, I played that, ma- my, that song to my mum whenever we had uh, recorded it, and I was like, what do you think this is about? And she was like, I don't know, global warming and the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> so like... I think there's maybe some confusion about what it's about. That's Lancome. Yeah, Drops a no encore on Monday. Tell your friends. Crago? 
Yeah, so we'll crack into the news, will we, as we always do. Um, we'll start with, I guess, the biggest news of the week, um, which is uh, really unfortunate and pretty um, horrendous. Um, uh, an unveiling from Duffy, who we hadn't heard a lot from in a long time. Obviously, she came to prominence back in 2008 with the song Mercy. Uh, her album Rock Fairy, I think, was the biggest selling British album of the year. And she kind of just, you know, uh, fell off the radar completely. We've mentioned on the show, I think, previously a couple of times, just, you know, how big a talent she seemed how promising her kind of future seemed and we were just like expecting it to be that usual of the music industry um you know things didn't go quite right and just another one of those stories she has returned uh, with an instagram post this week and um shared her story uh, quite bravely i'm sure most of you will have heard it at this point but she's opened up about um an assault that took place on her um it's a long time ago now it's a, it's nearly a decade ago but um, she revealed quite starkly that she was raped and drugged and held captive over some days. Um, she says in the Instagram post, um, I'm okay, uh, I'm safe now, of course I survived. The recovery took time. Uh, there's no light way to say it. Um, but basically she goes on to say the last decade has been about her trying to like come to terms with what happened to her, the ordeal, and just find like some happiness in her life. Um, so it's kind of confirmation of where she's been. I guess the positive of this um, news breaking is that she's finally in a place to be able to break it. Um, Just some details that are emerging from the story. It would appear that a journalist actually kind of sought her out, made contact with her, and she's talked about how actually they, you know, the approach from them was um, really kind of welcome. They did it in the right way. There's a sit-down interview that's going to come next week, I think, um, where she'll explain more. Um, She wants to have an open conversation about it. And it's just... It's nightmare stuff, but it's um, you just have to applaud the way she's handling it. And uh, great to have her back. And it would appear that music will be coming as well. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, completely shocking, as you say. I, it's a story that we talked about. I'll be brutally honest. I was like, should we talk about this on the show? Yeah. And ultimately, because, you know, like, like no encore, we try and be irreverent and witty. You know, we tried very hard there in that opening section. Hope it was good. But like, the thing is, like, I think it would also be questionable of us to not discuss what is the biggest story in music this week and a legitimately real life harrowing thing. I mean, as far as Duffy goes, she became this kind of strange trivia footnote of like yeah, very primed so. for massive success, had a huge couple of hits or one in particular, of course. And next thing you knew, gone. Like just vanish. And you're like, the music industry can chew people up and spit them out, especially pop stars. But it was kind of bizarre that the Duffy story began and ended with the same exclamation point. Yeah, and I remember um, her producer, Bernard Butler, um, formerly of Suede, talking in an interview a couple of years ago, and he was saying that... um the quote from him was kind of like, oh, she, you know, she went a bit off the rails and she was a girl from a, you know, a small town in Wales and it's just the industry for you. So it would appear, obviously, from those kind of comments that he had no idea. You wonder how many people knew exactly the extent of what was going on. Um, and as to your point, Dave, about whether or not we should have covered it. I mean, obviously, so many people are talking about it. I think just to honour her bravery and coming forward and sharing her story, you kind of want to amplify that because it's such a huge step for her. And I can't imagine... Um, First of all, going through something like that, but then getting back to a point where you can talk about it. And she's also spoken about how, you know, her reason for parking her musical career was she was so in the spotlight and she didn't feel she could actually sing about what was going on internally, emotionally, sing love songs, sing anything that wasn't completely authentic. And obviously the authenticity of her life at the time was just so horrendous. So good to have her back. Yeah, I think ultimately it's a case of as 
you know, broadcasters, what can we really add to an yeah, experience that we don't know anything about whatsoever and are totally ignorant to, apart from hopefully listening and learning. And I think her bravery and conviction honestly have to be applauded. I, I, I think it's, you know, she has come out and said this and you deal with these matters on her terms and obviously what comes next is going to be hugely important. And I greatly hope that something good will come from this. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's just like, it kind of stopped me in my tracks as I'm sure it did so many people. It is a very, very sensitive and difficult thing. And, hopefully it can a new chapter can can it can arise uh before we move on with the news i will say that on this show this week we will be doing a review of the new grimes album and we will also be doing our top five worst celebrity songs craig this is me <laughs> desperately trying to inject some levity because even the next story isn't really a good news story. yeah we're so we're doing yeah worst ever celebrity <laughs> songs um this was prompted by us kind of just scanning around seeing what was going on taking the pulse of um the dublin music scene as well at uh, this weekend as this episode goes out um Kiefer sutherland will be playing the academy um now this is not to besmirch the um fine career of Kiefer sutherland i didn't actually check out his music is he Spoiler alert for the top five, but he's not in it. I think he's just like your standard blues guy. Yeah. So enjoy Lounge the Academy bluesy, show if you're going yeah, out. Yeah. It's no slight on him, but of course there is many, many more celebrities out there who thought they'd try their hands, so we'll be going through those. And we should stress that it applies, obviously the musicians are celebrities and whatever, but we should stress that it applies to kind of non-professional musicians who decide to make a go of it. Yeah. Professional musicians, however, Craig, are going to have a tough time going forward, it seems. Yeah, and way more kind of prosaic news, and this will be an ongoing story. EU mu- musicians will now require visas to tour in post-Brexit UK. Um, so even they got that Brexit phrase, done. Even I know. the phrase post-Brexit. I'm so like. bored of it. <laughs> um, but under new system, EU artists, and that includes us, we think, um, will have to prove they have uh, just under a grand in savings um, when they apply. It's going to take effect next year. Um, so they're applying for these tier five visas in order to tour. Um, it's all part of this new points-based immigration system that's ending free movement. Um, what a time to be alive. Um, <laughs> and the tier five visa, it looks like it's going to carry a 244 quid application fee. Uh, will require a certificate of sponsorship um, for workers to prove that they have those savings. Um, it's got to be 90 days before um, people apply. Uh, these fees will apply to every member of the crew as well. So it's going to really add up quickly, even for like kind of the bigger acts as well, because they will, you know, obviously the bigger crew you have, you're going to be looking at thousands and thousands of of euros to cover this now i will say it's kind of unclear at the moment what this means for irish musicians because we do have the common travel area uh, which allows kind of uh, freedom of movement and work between ireland and the uk um both governments have said they're committed to keeping that so we might be an exemption um one thing that isn't being mentioned a huge amount might be how it will affect i guess bands coming to ireland right so if you know we're already overlooked a lot of the time. This is the is. thing. Like we're kind of like an add-on because well we're doing, you and know, seems ten be, dates in the UK, so we'll just pop like, over. I, I was told before that there are tax issues and there are logistical issues with some acts coming over and one of the reasons why Ireland often gets snubbed by some of the higher profile acts like the weekend just announced Billy Eilish ain't coming either. Yeah, a lot of American acts and Canadian acts. It it's kind of does it make sense from a financial point of view? Now a lot of acts still come, but like I mean you do get left out a lot and it's like it seems to be that there are already these red tape barriers in place. I know um, it's it's all very unclear as you say. I know at home First Music Contact, that team have been kind of looking into this and are keeping an eye on it and it, it's still very vague I guess in terms of how it's going. I was talking to like at least one Irish musician during the week who said that it's quote a scary time for musicians like, in terms of And people that are alive. <laughs> sure is, yeah. It's fucking terrifying. How you doing with all the coronavirus hubbub and everything else? I don't else? know. I don't even know if we should joke 
joke about it because this no, this episode could get you know old very quickly when it's dude. I'm just asking my friend how he's doing. <laughs> I'm doing well. I think I'll be okay, but it's just you know, it's oh, like, you're fit as a fiddle, pal. Yeah, yeah, we'll be grand. But um, you know, when you hear all the kind of news reports and it's just like um, we're you know we're calling for calm. This will only affect um maybe two percent of people, and you're kind of thinking. Those two percent of people are probably pretty worried, right? Like, like oh, I don't know, it's crazy. Um, the rugby isn't happening, so I suppose blessings That's good. in disguise. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm happy with it. Although beautiful scenes last weekend, Bono. We talked about it last week. It turns out Bono's team talk did not work. A shocker. As maybe Ireland were he went torn asunder. Yeah, maybe the fact he went on for like hours, <laughs> hours upon hours. There was if you could pick energy. one Irish musician to give the next team talk, although of course they now have a bit more time to prepare because that game has been postponed, who would you pick? To G them up. Are we are we supporting Ireland or are we rooting against them at this point? Because it is rugby. Um, I, would, I think if we want them to win... I, I think Geldof would give a good... That was like, my go-to. He would yeah, probably yeah. grab people. I feel like he might get physical. Chrissy Dignam, maybe. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Johnny Logan? Johnny Logan, yeah. Twink? I don't know. I don't know much about Twink's abilities in the pep talk area. She's a talker. <laughs> she can hold her own. Fair enough. Um, aside from touring, there is another way that musicians are making money these days. Merch, vinyl, um, it's all booming. That's certainly a way <laughs> Frank Ocean has been making his coins, seeing as he won't come over here. And are gig. you about to get really mad? <laughs> yeah. So people were like, um, there was great news for people this week as Frank Ocean um, announced <laughs> for Craig. that he was sharing his new track via upcoming vinyl release. My immediate thought as a massive Frank fan was... The neck of this guy, right? I am still waiting on two pieces of vinyl, because we call them pieces of vinyl, those hipsters. Do you? Yeah, they're pieces of vinyl. I think like, that's the official term. I don't think it is. <laughs> I think it is. Look into that. Sonic Architect Adam? Maybe Google that? I don't know. Don't tell him to Google things. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to make the levels work. I believe it was October. I placed my order for these two pieces of vinyl. No sign, Dave. Along with the J-Paul I ordered last June. Now listen, Craig, you, you put your trust in the wrong people. I got my bl- blonde vinyl fairly sharp. Did you? But by comparison, I think it took like three months, maybe. At least I got that email from J-Paul being like, listen, the reason it's taking so long is I'm making sure every piece of vinyl is scented with jasmine flowers. Craig, individually. The, the naivety that you think he <laughs> sent you the email. This is beautiful. <laughs> he did, from his pub. This pub, he's like, come <laughs> hang out in my pub. I don't know what's going so on. So Frank's got some new tunes. He's got some new tunes. Um, did you get your order in, did you? No. No, I'm so jaded at this point. Like, I'm happy. These are artists I'm happy to but just you've literally support. given Frank Ocean money and gotten nothing in return. Yeah. Well, technically, you got a lot in return because he's released some amazing music. Over Frank, yeah. Like, Frank Ocean, Jay Paul, they you, might be the two that I'm just like, take them. my money. Yeah, you yeah owed I feel like money, it was more of a donation. So, yeah. It was almost like their Patreon. And you know, when you love something deeply, if you listen to it weekly, you might give money to a Patreon. Yeah, yeah. Hint, hint, if we launch one for this Especially show. if they're doing, like, you know, extra content. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, no, I did did not um, order this vinyl. Um, I await my October order. Have you found a way to kind of chill out and perhaps... I think I need something to ease my blood pressure. Oh, good news for you, pal. RZA. Oh, never clan. fails. Now, RZA is a businessman. He's also a renaissance man. He's an actor. He is, yeah. Um, he does a lot of different things. But now he's getting into the meditation game. Your favourite thing. 
Yeah, I'm, I like a bit of meditation. I've been known to stick on some of Moby's ambient work specifically for meditation. Not since the news that man of was cancelled a while ago, Craig. Since the news of his um, um, dalliance with Natalie Portman that she kind of insists didn't Let me really ask happen. You this question, right? And again, you know, I feel like in the 200 episode, it's all out here. Okay. Yeah, let's lay it all out on the line. Come on. Have you ever gone back to a cancelled artist or someone who has been, you know, separate the art from the artist thing? And, you know, whether that involved sticking private session on Spotify or, you know, just a a, vi- a piece of vinyl, as you say, yeah. with a glass of red in the corner when <laughs> everyone else in the house is out. Have you, the cats. Have you done it? Because I think some people have different relations on, on this kind of issue. I'll be brutally honest, man. I think over the last year or so, 18 months or so, I would I could, I could count on one hand. But I have gone back and given brand new. Like, I have done it. Say that, yeah. But I have, and, and because this is a band that I had a complex relationship with, and they were so formative in my in, in my time. I don't just stick on a fucking lost profits record. Like this is, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not I, like. It, but you have yeah. that conflict, and I do. And like there was a time recently when I kind of came home, and it was like I don't know. Music just sounds better when you're drunk, doesn't it? I came home and I like I whacked was. on Devil and God, and I whacked on Science Fiction, and I was like, this is such a fucking shame because these are two of the best albums I've ever heard. And I can't have them anymore. Yeah. But I think it's okay to drop in once or twice a year. Yeah, I I, ch- I checked in with brand new. It's the same of a thousand Patreon listeners not giving us money. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was never really a fan of brand new, just uh, kind of in passing. And I went back. I think after you kind of talked about your struggles with obviously not really listening to them, I'm just like oh, I'll give it a go. Just like because we talked about the, the last record just before the news broke, and I was very impressed with it. I went back and I was like, yeah, objectively, I was like. A really good band. Um, I didn't have that struggle because I didn't feel like I was like I was missing out on something. It's not something I would have gone back to too much. Ryan Adams would have been the big one for me. I have not gone back to Ryan Adams. Um, I don't know if I will. Um, I think his like case is still pending. Worth the FBI like looking into a story. I don't know what 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 is going on with that man. Um, but I actually found it quite easy considering my love for his catalogue and obviously a hugely skilled songwriter. I guess I just didn't have the emotional connection with his stuff um, that I would with a lot of artists who I'm hoping and praying are really, really nice people, um, which is all we can do. Um, well, I don't know. The RZA seems nice, I guess. The RZA seems great. Um, he's produced this EP of meditation songs in collaboration with um, Tezo T. Um, he instructs listeners to find a chill environment before finding spiritual peace. I might do like a, I might go and listen to it and come back with my thoughts. I'll ask you this yeah. because you do meditation, right? Yeah, I do. Uh, twice a day, twenty minutes it works. Can you define what a chill environment is? Um, yeah, I guess no distractions, right? Somewhere where you can sit upright, so you're not going to be bothered. It's probably best for it to be silent. Um, dim the lights and get with it. Although the whole thing of like meditation, well, certainly mantra-based meditation is that you should be able to do it anywhere. Um, which I think um, your man Maharishi uh, Mahashyogi, who's the dude that like instructed the Beatles back in the day, and then it turned out he was a bit of a creep, and they were like left India, um, being like, "What the hell, dude? You're full of shit." Like his whole thing was like they caught him flying in a private helicopter once and he was like, I'm, my boys, I'm simply demonstrating how you can meditate anywhere, even in a very noisy helicopter. And they're like, you're just using some rich person's like fucking private helicopter. I guess one place... The practice could, works. <laughs> yeah, I suppose, I suppose one place that you could probably get it, the job done yeah. would be in a prison cell <laughs> if you happen to be a scumbag ticket tout who has finally been... Yeah. Caught by the fuzz, yeah? Two of them are about to find out. Um, yeah, so two ticket outs who made nearly £10 million reselling uh, Adele 
and Ed Sheeran concert tickets have been jailed this week. Uh, it's a landmark case. It's the first of its kind. They'd use their, they'd use various identities, computer bots to purchase a large amount of tickets. Uh, the investigation incident began after Sheeran hit back a tout, ripping off fans, which led to many being unable to attend his concerts. His manager, Stuart Camp, had told the Leeds Crown Court that he spotted 75 quid seats uh, for a charity gig on sale for seven grand. Um, yeah, so the very first pro- prosecution by the National Trading Standards in the UK. Um, and yeah, just crazy amount of money as well. Using bots. It's so unreal. Seven grand charity or whatever. Seven grand. <laughs> They're just monsters. To attend like, an Ed Sheeran concert. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. But like, Have you yeah. nothing better to do? Oh have you no podcast you could be investing in? We really should have set the Patreon this really week. Should really should have, yeah. It's We're doing fine. A it's, it's totally sale. okay. This is called a teaser. Uh, and, you know, it's not just about teasers, though, Craig. It's about following things up. And last week on the show, we kind of, you know, tap danced all over that Justin Bieber record. But we said that we want the best for him. And guess what? It all paid off. <laughs> yeah, he's got the best. He's broken a US chart record that had been held by Elvis Presley for the last 59 years. Um, so- Move over, Elvis. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Finally, Elvis, your time, your reign as king is over. <laughs> um, so Beaver's latest album changes, which is a horrible, horrible record, went to number one in the Billboard charts. Uh, he becomes the youngest artist to achieve seven chart-topping albums. Um, Presley set the record back in 1961 when he was 26. Uh, so beat him by a year. I generally feel like the last thing someone should ever do is rag on someone's appearance. Like, I really, really believe that, especially now and, you know, maturing as people. However... The moustache has to go. It's really questionable. I thought I, you were going to talk about the different stages of Elvis. No. Like the he, Vegas period, I mean, he got his pizzazz back, but he time. didn't look that, yeah. Have you seen Justin Bieber's moustache? I have, yeah. Again, I don't I don't want to harp on about this too much. Let him do what he wants to do, but I, it's really, like, call the cops, you know? Yeah. I, I can kind of sympathise because he's trying. And, like, I sympathise as someone I can't grow facial hair. Has the, yeah, I have that, like, level of growth. So, in the past, I've just kind of gone a few days without shaving. I've and it, it looks horrendous. Same with me, mate. Um, like, it's just be brutally honest, you know? I can't do it. I wish I could. Yeah, it'd be great. If I could grow a big fuck-off hobo beard, I'd do it. <laughs> like, a proper fucking, like, you know, apocalyptic-style... I think you'd be like vaguely the terrifying. Like, like that, that, like would that, that be your look? Would that actually be your look, or would you just try it out for a while? I think so, but like, it seems you can't have one without the other, because, not to be that guy, but I've got a pretty mean hairline, you know? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. But I've got some friends who don't, who can't grow hair, but they've got unreal beards, and I'm like... Why can't it be? Well, it seems to be. It seems to be a thing where when you start losing it on top, or if you kind of dedicate, you're just like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mac tree it because it's going. You take that brave step. People then tend to grow facial hair. I don't know if it's to do with like some weird balancing act of hair, but you will generally see bald men with a beard. That is my complete generalization, but I think it's true, right? Yeah, it's a pretty big generalization. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah fair enough. You know, if only we knew someone who was currently watching us do this who has both <laughs> long flowing hair and, a, and a decent beard. Yeah, <laughs> it can happen. Uh, lastly, this week, uh, Billy Eilish has been in the news quite a lot lately. Some might say that her brother doesn't get a fair shake, but he's been chatting about the whole damn family. Yeah, he's been lashing out. At, well, sorry, he hasn't been <laughs> lashing out. Said. I, I apologize, <laughs> Phineas. You've not been lashing by out. Billy Eilish <laughs> hell, by Phineas, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Go on. It's been a long week. I'm I'm lashing out. Um, he's made a very very considered point online about his um parents' connections or lack thereof, and how they didn't really help himself and Billy make it kind of have their overnight success, which took years of them working together um in their household. 
So he said, yeah, our parents gave us love, but knew no one in the record industry. Um, he was responding to claims that their success was down to parents' connections. Um, they're the children of Maggie Bard and Patrick O'Connell, good Irish stock, I guess, um, who are described in Phineas's Wikipedia entry as an actress um, and screenwriter and an actor. Apparently that is not true. Um the dad, like, made stuff for... What was the thing? And now deleted tweet. One Twitter user suggested those occupations gave them, you know, catapulted them to success. He said, no, during my lifetime, our parents were never able to fully financially support us off their work as actors. Our dad worked 12-hour days, seven days a week as a construction worker for Mattel. And our mom was a teacher. Our parents gave us love, but knew no one in the record industry. So, yeah, fair enough. But that is becoming a thing, right? Like, industry plants. The minute someone strikes a big, immediately all over Twitter, Reddit, anywhere else you will see oh it's definitely the industry just planting them you say the things take time and they absolutely do and it's kind of shocking how fast time moves i mean like i'm looking ahead and it's almost an entire year since i went to see picture this five times in the three (laughs) arena craig some people may have noticed have you recovered no some people may have noticed that codaline irish indie pop sensations codaline have announced not five not six not seven but eight gigs in the Olympia Theatre in Dublin. Yeah. I made a bit of a crack about it. Not at them, I should hasten to add. I have no beef with Codeline whatsoever. And <laughs> I think that, and I think that all I want is a fabulous pop song. However, I made the I made the gag. I was like, if only there was like a music journalist out there who 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 lives for these kind of endurance tests and who would put himself in front of this eight nights in a row. Yeah. I'm not gonna do it. Ah oh, the people demand it, Dave, you have to We have discussed this briefly. Um what is your thinking? I just don't think it's the same thing. Yeah, it's not and quite. I think it would run the risk of becoming uh, some kind of weird shooting gallery against a band that actually don't deserve it. Yeah, they're not in the same bracket, maybe. No, it's not the same thing. And it's not like, you know, and like fucking fair play to them. I mean, like, I know I didn't see that coming. Like, Yeah, it also kind of lacks the endurance test element because they're not connect- consecutive nights, right? Isn't there bits of gaps and things? That's it's kind true, of, yeah. yeah. So it, doesn't, it doesn't logistically doesn't have, make like, sense. It's not going to make your life a complete hell. It's a funny hell. gag. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I just don't think I should do it and I'm not going to do it. So You're going to go to one night, though, just to see that song. Can't wait, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. It's a fucking tune. Well, good luck to the lads. Is that the end of it? Like, is that like eight dates and they're done? Or is it, can you see They've this? They've said final date out of Of course. Yeah, so, I don't you know, know. If it um, went to te- how many dates would it take to make you go? 31. It had to be an entire <laughs> make month. Make it happen. Yeah. I know, that's, that's the article. An entire month. An entire month. But I would also need access to them and be like, how's it going for you? <laughs> like, surely you guys are having some trouble. Yeah. Yeah. If there's any band or act out there that wants to do a 31 date thing, in the same place in Dublin. Let me know. It is kind of fascinating just how maybe like Sorry, let me know as an I'll go. I'm not a promoter. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> but yeah, no, it is what fascinates me isn't so much like how how did they get this many people to go? It's how the kind of the differences in like on stage patter from night to night. Do they just hit all the same beats? Like the repetition of it is really fascinating, like from that initial article. And I guess I'm gonna imagine Codeline are a bit more free and easy from having seen them a few times, but maybe you just have to regiment yourself and be like, I'm gonna tell this anecdote now, I'm gonna do this kind Dude, of thing. Lose jazz here. when you're up there on night seven of a Codeline gig. You can either hang or you can't. We should probably move on to our album review, Let's though. Let's do it. It's Grimes. She's back. The album's called Miss Anthropocene. This track is called Delete Forever. Lights away. Things I can't escape. Baby, I just turned into demons. Fun 
live to Craig Fitzpatrick from Government Buildings who's going to give us a rundown on who this Grimes character really is. Yeah, so Grimes, um, a Vancouver slash Montreal artist who came up with a bunch of very promising indie releases before landing on 4AD, uh, great arbiters of um, kind of nicher tastes that they are. Um, I guess on her third album, Visions, in 2012, um, she took her niche sound, which is like a cyber Cocteau twins thing, and brought it very much into the mainstream, or at least our mainstream of the likes of Pitchfork and people on Twitter. Um, you know, Genesis, Oblivion became ubiquitous um kind of mashup of post-punk sounds alongside more marauder i feel love touches um and she did feel like a very um she felt like a a zeitgeisty in the best possible way artist uh, someone that came up listening to everything and actually properly assimilating sounds rather than just doing nothing of like oh you know look i don't do genres i just um have different influences she was bringing everything together in a really kind of fantastic collage that was also uniquely her her last album art angels was kind of an exercise in um showing off her studio skills i felt um it was a bit more playful than the previous record i believe she was also trying to deal with um um, the record label trying to get collaborators in with her and she's like no listen I can do this myself I can push myself um, she proved her case uh, really really well since then um, there's been a lot of talk about her relationship with um, I don't know infamous Twitter user Elon Musk cyber truck enthusiast <laughs> Elon Musk <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of the narrative around her has become whether she has sold out her indie credentials because she's in love with a billionaire and to my mind it's become quite tiresome um, what I will say from the pretty outset, fucking sexist as well if you ask me yeah hugely so it's it's, it's something that is never leveled at male artists um, you know the conversations around who they're seeing um, extend to how it affects their art that hasn't really come up that much um, even around this new album um, which, which is called Miss Anthropocene um I think from the offset, offset, we should say she's a supreme, supreme talent and the kind of stuff around her personal life has been wearisome at best. It has. And yeah. like, listen, let's let's be fair. When Grimes does a new interview, she tends to say something batshit crazy, whatever your definition of that term yeah. is. Maybe it is. a lot of it. It's her personality. Yeah. yeah. And like, listen, I mean, like if, if Kanye West turns you off when he, you know, says things, Grimes might do the same. That's fair enough. I've seen some people say stuff like, I didn't want to like this album, but yeah. I do. And it's like, okay, that's interesting. I think separate the Elon Musk thing as much as we can because, like I say, that to me is the most tiresome element. It's like the idea that Grimes is, you know, like so informed by dating like the visual embodiment of capitalism that she herself has become totally co-opted. I don't know what goes on in the house between those two people. I don't want to know what goes on in the house between those two people. It's between them. I would like to judge her art as art. And yeah. I don't think that she's the perfect fucking figure. I enjoyed the emergence in 2012. I enjoyed Art Angels quite a bit. I caught her on that tour at that infamous Olympia gig in Dublin. Oh, yeah. When her microphone fucking shocked she her. She electrocuted. And it was horrible. I still even think then that people like were very much like, well, that gig was a fucking disaster and it was terrible. It wasn't. It was fucking amazing until she could no longer continue. Uh, we, She's been given no leeway whatsoever, even from the people who've been praising her. 
Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. It, the betrayal of indie roots is another element too, as you kind of mentioned there. And it's like, well, I mean, like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, people have said, like, you know, once you buy a van, like, you know, with seats in it, it was yeah, like it was weird. Like listening to this record uh, quite a lot this week, and it was um, a really bracing listen. Um, you know, having done the last two records, which were uh, Tame Impala and Justin Bieber, and us being a bit kind of lukewarm about them. I kind of, I found a lot of this quite irresistible. It was really easy to go back to and, you know, lots of stuff kept jumping out at me. But um, there's a lot of um, kind of bile here. There's a lot of playing the anti-hero. There's a lot of nihilism, which I don't think you get a lot in pop music anymore. Not in that kind of straight form. And I kept being reminded of like Kurt Cobain um, and particularly... His kind of grappling back in the early 90s with himself and how he was perceived as a sellout for selling records and having fans. It was interesting to me how now that conversation doesn't make sense anymore. You know, everyone's talking about, well, of course, these are just musicians trying to earn a living. And if anyone kind of breaks through in the mainstream with their music, they're lauded. So the definition of selling out is now has now shifted to like what you stand for, who do you align yourself with along cultural lines. She seems to be in that weird kind of same bucket where she's you know people want to hold her up as a saint but she's doing uh quite messy dirty work which makes it all the more intoxicating and exciting i think absolutely yeah I, 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 the idea of grimes is like this kind of complete thing is doesn't make sense to me yeah. um i've been very i've been trying to avoid a lot of singles i mean violence was one of our songs of last year and i absolutely loved it and mm. i still do i think it fits very well on this record which you know 10 tracks get in uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but no you make the point of like you know like the you know the famous craig Fitzpatrick five listen test yeah. i would say i've listened to this record it's got to be close to 20 times I oh think. yeah i've had, had it on constant repeat yeah. whereas the bieber one i could barely get through three or four uh, it's all relative i suppose um I find myself very conflicted by this album. I don't really mind the theme so much. I mean, like, it's it's supposedly this yeah. grand uh, conflict of AI taking over the world and also trying to make a, a fun record about climate emergency. Yeah, I think some people have taken a lot of stuff a bit too literally. I've had a conversation with a friend of mine this week and she was saying that Grimes is a fascist. And I'm like, I don't think that she is. I don't know that she isn't. I just don't think that that she is. And the, there's a track on this record called We or not on this record, it's on the bonus, uh, We Appreciate Power, which came out a while ago, which I think is fine. Uh, it's a bit sub Marilyn Manson for me. It's a bit linear, but it's good. It's in my it's in my wheelhouse of what I like to hear sonically. And to me, looking at the lyrics and listening to them, I was like, this sounds more like satirical commentary and the idea of finding uh, somewhere between a utopia and a dystopia and like what what is good and what is bad. I don't see it as a fascist manifesto, but some people do. And I think that those opinions are valid, even if I don't agree with them. Yeah. Has Grimes bitten off too much here? I, I think purely in terms of how the kind of narrative around the album will form. But I think, you know, creatively, musically, in terms of the content of this album, no, I think she totally owns it. And what she's doing is, you know, it's a record around uh, climate change or climate crisis, as we should call it. Actually, I should in the Pitchfork review for this. And there's a quote from Grimes where she's talking about trying to make, um, you know, climate change fun. And the writer points out that, you know, she uses the incorrect term and kind of disparages her. Like, that's the level we're at at this point. But she talked about how she's kind of creating these various um, gods and goddesses that, you know, anthropomorphize um, these really awful things. She's all about kind of universe building um, and on this world destroying. And I think... 
I think she does it really well. And I think it's all a, a way for her playing with metaphors and the stuff around her own life. Like, I think this is really, you know, her positioning AI and um, the climate and the world as something vengeful and omnipotent and all-powerful. It's clearly her going, okay, I've put up with a lot of shit. Um, I'm going to harness my creativity to almost ascend to those kind of super-powerful godlike things and inhabit these characters. It felt to me like super nihilistic, um, in a way, again, that I don't think a lot of music is anymore, because you're literally saying, hey, you know, maybe if we get wiped off the face of the earth, it wouldn't be the worst thing, which is, I guess, the end point of Nirvana, Marilyn Manson, so much rock and roll, uh, which I guess you aren't supposed to do anymore. You're supposed to be about being constructive. Um, but I think she executes it really, really well. Um, and I think she also channels it into something that's very motivating in the, in a way. Yeah, it's, it's energizing. It's you know, it's fuck you music. Well, one track that is energizing is the one that we play, which is called "Delete Forever," which is an outlier on this record. It's kind of an acousticy ballad played on a banjo. I believe it was written post immediately post the death of Little Peep. I don't yeah. know if it's meant to be intended as a inspiration or tribute, but I I've talked to some people who were like, "This is trash," and it's funny because like when it starts up in those first chords, like try not to go like today yeah, is yeah, gonna yeah. be the, like it's very but to but me it's placing that it's recontextualizing that sound I and think it works so. so well within the album because when we first listened to it as well we were a bit like eh, where is she going with this well somebody presented yeah. me this song when it came out as a single as wait till you hear this it's so it's total garbage you're gonna hate it and within the first minute I was like I think I like this yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like I think this actually makes a lot of she's sense she's an extremely good songwriter the melodies throughout are great as a producer she fucking excels yet again I think like that track Violence which is great and I think it's one of her best vocal performances it's the production is from IO um, and I think it's actually doing what she was doing maybe like five years ago or even further ago like I think it's surrounded by more sophisticated productions which are all pretty much her um, the likes of my name is dark. My name is dark. Might be my favorite track. It's the standout for me. Although long, I do love, long time. I do love the opener, which came out a while ago. So heavy, I fell through the earth, which it's is great the full scene setter, six minute version. Yeah. And like to me, I remember at the time being like, "There's something kind of almost Enya esque about this," which is a thing that I think even the pitchfork review mentions as well. So it's interesting to kind of she's playing with an awful lot of cards here. Uh, to me, this record feels like the closest thing to uh, a graphic novel. In, yeah, in audio form, if I can be that pretentious, but I think you, I think we can talk about a Grimes record in twenty twenty. Uh, you have to be pretentious because she is pretentious, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a fucking great thing. I think we need more pretentious. We people, fucking do. Right? No, I don't think this album is perfect. I mean, I, I was going back and forth on my number, not that that means anything, but I was going back and forth on the idea of like, okay, I mean, like there are times when it, they do feel like sketches rather than full bodied three act structures, but at the same time, I find myself looking around the quote-unquote competition and I'm like no one's doing anything like this in terms of being a a modern day pop star there was the argument made that you know she's wanting to be a pop star this is her embracing being a pop star however maybe she's forgotten the depth I don't think that's true but I would agree that there's probably room for a bit more in the hourglass you know yeah, possibly. There's just so much going on with it. I think the fact she keeps a kind of a, a rain, the reins on it at all is hugely impressive. Um, I agree with you in terms of the graphic novel stuff. Um, I think she's doing, you know, what, you know, mid 70s Bowie was fucking talking about, like, um, how Hitler was the first rock star and saying stuff that would, you know, get him cancelled nowadays. But he was also melding together a huge array of influences. Um, 
you know, casting his eye around the international music scenes and then making it completely his own. And I think what she's doing is like what, you know, Bowie back then might have done if he had access to, you know, Neil Gaiman novels or anime or that kind of thing. And I think she, she is a proper pop star. I think, I think she's necessary. And I think, um, maybe part of the reason she's getting so much stick is she is very much, um, like a, a Twitter pop star to me. She feels like a very kind of modern um, internet citizen as pop star person. She's like your kind of, you know, if Drake, if you look around at people that have shaped the last 10 years of kind of India or pop music, those huge figures, how many of them have actually been, you know, m- mirrored reflections of the audience? There haven't been that many. Like Drake is very good at kind of doing memes and speaking to that timeline culture. Um, of just having an ongoing conversation, but he's kind of above it. He's like Instagram. Grimes to me is like a Twitter user that is great at music, right? It's kind of like, it's like, here is my immaculate taste. Here's just like an avalanche of everything I've been consuming that I'm just spewing back out. Here's me being witty. Here's me being occasionally messy. There's stuff I maybe should delete, but it's all kind of me. Um, To me, like she really strikes a tone that is in keeping with uh, modern culture, but I I think she's, yeah, really vibrant. It's intensely listenable. Yeah. It's packaged and produced and presented with supreme confidence. The kind of thing that you can't really fake. And the fact that there's so much around her, she's become such a magnet for criticism and a magnet for noise. It's very impressive to be able to still doll all that out and make something which may not have been a lot of fun to actually put together. Yeah. And I think ultimately, I do. I had faith. I, I, I liked Art Angels and I, I liked what came before it, but I think that this is her most complete vision. Yeah. I don't think it's perfect, but I do think it's it's important and I do think that it carves out a very interesting landscape that she is kind of on her own in. She's felt singular since she arrived properly into the mainstream to a degree in mm-hmm. 2012, you know, it's kind of grim that she ended up on a fucking aircom ad somehow. Well, what are you going to do? But this is... Everyone will eventually. It's just but the this way is, the world. This is complex, intelligent pop music. And it's... She's better... The world is better to have her around. I think yeah. The world's better for her being in it. And I think a lot of people need to kind of lay off in a way. Hugely. She ain't, she ain't fucking perfect. She's heavily flawed, but I think she's fighting the good fight, man. Yeah. Eight out of ten. Yeah, I'm hugely impressed with this. Again, I'll echo your comments. I think she's very necessary as an artist. I was watching her um, talk to Zane Lowe uh, last week. Um, She did really well grappling with Zane Lowe's questions. So fair play to her for that as well. Um, But she was talking about the production um, process and how she is literally just in a room by herself and how... Um, like Zane was like would you not like to collaborate a bit more and just kind of bounce stuff around all the pop stars are doing it these days and she's like yeah you might come up with some different stuff I guess but also a lot of my favourite people um, you know collaborate with no one they just kind of they're very much auteurs of their own vision and when you're in a room by yourself you're more liable to do embarrassing stuff and stuff that might be rubbish and push yourself and I think this is a perfect expression of this for all her kind of pretension I never feel like she's trying to cultivate a particular image of herself it's all her channeling the creativity right like it's it doesn't feel like this is her doing like a really immaculate self-portrait it's it's something else. It's like abstract expressionism of how she's feeling. So in that way, she doesn't feel pretentious at all. Uh, 8.5, pushing a 9 for me. I feel like 
should there be a time in the next few days or the next six months if Grimes turns around and says that factory and warehouse workers don't deserve bathroom breaks, I reserve the right to go back to my <laughs> fight in the good fight comment. However, nobody's perfect. No. And speaking of, it's time for our top five worst celebrity songs. Now, like I said, this means people who aren't traditionally associated with the world of music, who've decided to give it a go, where that meant a novelty single, a full album, an entire career, and it just wasn't for them. Because I should say from the outset, I don't agree with the idea that you got to be one thing. Very much not. Um, you can be anything. Just be good at it, though. <laughs> Please. <laughs> you looked directly at me when you said that. You can be anything, Inspiring. Um, there's been some examples of really, you know, successful transitions, right, I guess? Uh, Kylie Minogue... I'm trying to reach, I guess. Um, Hugh Laurie did some good blues stuff. Actually, no, that'd be in kind of the, the dodgy territory. Our shining example, of course, is the seminal 80s hit, Diamond Lights, from Hoddle and Waddle. Should we have a listen? Yeah. The colors change, rearrange the So that's the gold standard. Glenn Hoddle, Chris Wallace. Questionable footballers, questionable human beings, but what Terrible a track video, but what a track. Right? We've just done like top five Bond songs. This could have been a Bond song and one of the best ever. Roger Moore era, surely. Yeah, it's like, it's Roger Moore era, but it's meets like Blade Runner moodiness. Okay. It's industrial, it's heartbreaking. I don't think they quite know what they're singing and that adds to it. Okay. Um, so yeah, check that out. I'm on board. <laughs> I think this was your topic. Yeah. I think um, you should kick this inspired off. Inspired by Kiefer. Let's kick it off. And as you were saying, Dave, this is quite a broad church. So, you know, celebrity. Eh, I guess this guy went viral. Um, we're going to start with Paul Gogarty. Um, before we get into the track, um, we might kind of refresh you as to why he went viral in the first place. Well, all due respect in the most unparliamentary language, please. fuck you, Deputy Stike. Sorry, fuck eight, you. Eight, I apologise now for my use of de- unparliamentary de- language. That is most unparliamentary language. It is most unparliamentary language. Please, I now, I now withdraw and apologise You've been for loving it, that moment of late. <laughs> I had a long day at work the other day. I was on the bus home at 11pm and I watched the clip yeah. about five or six times in a row and I genuinely was crying, laughing, doubled over on the bus. Yeah. So, um... It doesn't get any less funny. <laughs> Paul Gogarty is a county councillor, I think, for Lucan, former Green. He talked at one point about joining Fianna Fall. I don't think he's been elected in a while. Um, but he is very much, um, and this phrase is going to keep cropping up time and time again, music is my first passion, my first love. Um, so, yeah, um, once he got a bit of notoriety, he thought it was the perfect time to uh, unleash his music career. And this was the result. Molly walks the streets at night With Mary Jane and Charlie The best of friends with everyone in town and maybe you have seen them come around. 
the siren went off the second you played that clip. Amazing. This is fuck. What, what? Seriously, who is this for? I have no idea who this is for. But I will say this is the sound of um, a man who might have good taste in music. Like he's heard good stuff. Like there's kind of echoes, like the undercurrents of this song, it sounds a bit like Moby's Go. There's like Twin Peaks stuff going on there. <laughs> Greg, it's like please. trying to be gritty. <laughs> it's kind of like... So hang on, the song is called Molly is a Liar. Right? song is called Molly is a Liar. Acoustic intro radio edit is the version we've gone with because he was expecting this to be played on the radio. He's a regular Grimes. There was an art mix and algorithm mix. Do you think that the Molly is not meant to be just a human being, Craig, but also a drug? Hold on, what? Yeah, I think I think there's a multi-layered story here that, that Paul has conjured up in his bedroom. I'm not sure about that. But like that would suggest then that maybe Mary Jane was a drug as well. This what could, about Charlie? Could be a whole other podcast, really. Yeah, this is the most on-the-nose anti-drug song ever. Um, <laughs> from which, a I guess, of the Green Party. <laughs> you would, yeah, yeah, you'd expect from a politician. This is as good as it gets, I will say, right? Um, in your list? He re- no, no, from Paul Gogarty. So he was releasing music under the moniker um, His Sweet Surprise which is just horrendous. Um, all the other tracks I've heard, which were more kind of, I guess, radio friendly, they didn't require a radio edit, are very like sub um, lightning seeds, um, bouncy 90s, but without Ian Brody's talent, just kind of horrendous, lightweight pop ditties. Uh, I don't think his career went anywhere. Uh, I'm not sure where his political career was going. This is dreadful. Okay, listen, I'm going to just move right past Do this, it. Craig, into my number five. You talk about a career that's going fairly well, and then you pivot from that. Let's have a footballer. Tell the world my name. Who's that Andy Cole? I blaze the scene. Score the goal. Keep my eyes on the prize. My inspiration to celebrate life, to rock the nation. Gather round. Get close to me. Here's a VIP to my private party. The host with the most got clientele. Guaranteed to rock the might. Well, can I kick it? Yes, you can. A summertime rhyme and a party jam. Chop like a racer. Speak to a major. Get you like Ali. Did you freezer? I reminisce back to the schoolyard. I used to work hard. I used to play hard. Got my kicks from here. That's Andy Cole, Craig, at number five. Outstanding is the name of the song. Yeah. Like, the sample is so good that you can get through it, no problem. Like, the Gap Band's Outstanding is, is brilliant. But Jesus, the man can't rap. It's really bad. It's really bad. I feel I feel almost like this was a knee-jerk. I feel bad for him. But this was like, it's an obvious choice. But there's a reason why. It's yeah, everyone kept are, mentioning it. Our cliches for a reason. We put the call out on Twitter during, uh, you know, during the week. Got and some people, great shouts. Yeah, uh, tremendous shouts and keep them coming, Andy I guess. Cole was in there. <laughs> you couldn't look past him. Like, just as, you know, when he's bearing down on goal... You're like, if he gets a minute on this shot, he'll probably steer it into the top corner. <laughs> this is less impressive. Well, it's just the fact that the song... The Sorry, whole- can I just say, I like football. I just sounded like a robot trying to describe <laughs> football. Steer it into the top corner. Dave's 101 great goals. It's the influence ready. of this song, because there's lots of those little moments. I'm fucking discombobulated by he's it. He's talking about the weather in Manchester and like how he'll never leave. We appreciate the loyalty, I guess. There's a reference to how he's like a record breaker with a 7.5 million signing, which is now horrendously outdated. The worst thing about this... I'll I show will- my age when that was announced. 
That was oh, a lot yeah. of money. I was whoa. It wasn't. It, it was, took him a while to get going as well. When it he was moved seven point five yeah. million and Keith Gillespie. So I think it was technically eight point five million. <laughs> Is that like Cockney rhyming slam? What is that? Seven point five and a Keith Gillespie. Uh. Probably would have sounded better than something him saying the word Joe Frazier in a fucking weird like. Is that still his voice? Yeah, moment. Yeah. The worst thing about this song though is that the whole setup is that he's outstanding, right? The spotlight is really on him. Like he's got a hype man before he starts going, take it away, Andy it's Cole. It's 46 seconds before he starts singing. Yeah, it's it's so set up for him to succeed that his fall is all the more horrendous. And he's just in the video where he's like in the car, kind of like with his mates and they're all like having a great time. They're used to the hype man thing. And he looks genuinely worried. <laughs> he's like, how did I get into this? What is happening? Why am I rapping? And we don't know either. All right, my pick is kind of um, the culmination of every reality star trying to um, make it as a pop star, I guess. This is Rebecca Luz, who um, came to public attention about 2004 um, for carrying on with David Beckham, we think. He said it didn't happen. Anyway, then she was on the farm where she wanked off a pig. Uh, she was on various other celebrity shows. In 2008, she came out with this. Yeah, so that's your boyfriend, um, my number four, Rebecca Luz, who was going under the alias of Phoenix, I believe. I'm not convinced this is a real song that you just played, Craig. I've never heard this before. I double checked. I like, yeah, I found a few sources. There was newspapers reporting. I was like, really? Is this a thing? And as for the guy she's collaborating with, like some jag guy, I couldn't track down anything else he'd done. He's just doing like a kind of generic reggae toasting thing over it. What's amazing about this for me is that it's clearly kind of like not quite saying this is about David Beckham, but it kind of is. But it's four years on. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like she was striking while the arm was hot. It was just like a lot of time had passed. I checked her Wikipedia of what else she was up to She's around 2007, 2008. So uh, this is a podcast that doesn't necessarily judge people based on their. I mean, like Dave Beckham's the villain here, right? You know, this is just oh, usually he human was being. the family man. She yeah. was just yeah, she was she like didn't the, wreck that home. She was he the did. old pair. Yeah, fair and, enough. Um, by all accounts, she's moved agree. to Norway and married a doctor since then, and she's a yoga instructor with a few kids. So we hope. Everything is going great for her. Maybe she should have a Wikipedia page. I stand corrected. <laughs> However, I don't. I don't support ad, uh, adultery. I think is the word. I was going to say I don't support adulthood. So that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but around the time this came out, right? So she'd just been a guest on uh, the Podge and Rod show, um, and she just come third on the Spanish version of Survivor. So we were down to the dregs before the pop career, and yeah, this flopped. <sighs> Not great, Dave. Come on. Yeah, I'm just going to get out of here. Let's let, let's have some horrible blues lizard rock courtesy of one of the most awful human beings in the entire world. It's Steven Seagal. Hey, I went down the Mississippi and I tried to dig a ride. I saw Jesus and the devil they was walking side by side. I said, well, met the devil is that really what I see? He said, I was thinking for him. I tried to judge me by my company. Well, my boss man in the wages, so I went down to the market. Before I bought some bread, somebody took it out my pocket. Now you see why. Now you know why. I have a suspicious mind. 
Right, Steven Seagal. That track is called... Do I really have to do this? Alligator Ass. Alligator Ass is the name of the song. Steven Seagal, known for being an Aikido master. That's a, a discipline of martial arts, I believe, in which you use your enemy's energy against them. Yeah, and it's supposed to be kind of bullshit. So when he's breaking people's necks and arms in movies... He's not, it's not them, it's it's them, it's their fault, not his. So Seagal is a fascinating character and again, like... A horrendous just, human being. Disgusting human <laughs> yeah. being. Gross for so many reasons, uh, like many of which are just, we can't even talk about them on this There's show. allegations about him being a horrendous There are brick, horrible yeah. allegations that we can't really get into and generally he's meant to be just a horribly unprofessional psychopath and... You know, I don't even know where to begin here, but like, he's obviously famed for being an action man. I, I did once read an amazing book called Sigalogy, right, which is written by a, an American film critic who just goes by a pseudonym called Vern. Uh, he's a good writer, you know, I, I read him for a long time, and the book is a collection of essays where he went through every single Steven Seagal film and had a bunch of template things, like, you know, uh, how many... How many instances of broken glass are in this movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does Seagal crack a guy's neck? Whatever. And he kind of like, he managed to do this kind of thing where he he wrote from the perspective of being a legitimate fan and had a fascination with Seagal's career because this is a guy who started off as like the biggest action star in the world and then went into like... Was he ever the biggest action star in the world? I I feel like he was always... Not second tier, I feel like he was but very, he was the, Okay, he may not have been Arnie Van Damme, but he was so close. And he he had this golden run of like, you Under know, Siege, he was like kill, nearly there. marked for death, Under yeah, Siege. Yeah, late 80s, early 90s. And then it all fell apart, and now he's like in straight-to-DVD things for a very long time now. What do you think was the turning point? I feel like Glimmerman kind of era. The last like theatrical... The Glimmerman was a bad movie, was a really bad Seven rip-off. Um, <laughs> the, I think the last theatrical release he ever had that he was in, apart from like when he turned up in a Machete movie, was like Cradle to the Grave or something with DMX yeah. in 2003 or Exit Wounds in 2001. It's, it's disgusting that I know these films, but I used to work in a video store and I've read this book. Read the book, it's pretty good. But the point is, he's a fascinating kind of Hollywood failure in a way and also a, a notorious scumbag. So um, the idea that he would somehow show all of his talent in the form of two records, I believe there are, maybe there are more, but there's one called Songs from the Crystal Cave. Yeah. And this was one called Mojo Priest. This is taken from Mojo Priest. He, he was is, actually, he is the Mojo Priest. He was on my, my long list actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was. I cut him for reasons that will become clear. Um, okay. Maybe in right. the next entry. I look forward to hearing but, those. Yeah. Reasons. It's just Mojo Priest, Jesus. And I think he approaches this. I feel it, it makes total sense that he embarked on a music career, right? Because this whole Aikido thing is like, you get the sense that it's all, kind of for show and he's a bit of a bullshit artist but he like proclaims that he's you know he claimed that he taught he's mates with the, Silva how to kick people yeah, in the face yeah and he's mates with the Dalai Lama and Putin and like his approach to music is clearly like well now I'm the greatest blues guitarist in the world he's also the master of and I'll give him I'll give him credit for this right Steven Seagal is the master of the corpse kill do you know what the corpse kill is, Craig? No, enlighten me. The corpse kill. I think I might be gone. Which is very prevalent in especially a lot of his early film work, is where he kills a guy. Yeah. And then, and then, and then kills him again. Yeah. Right? So like he might like, he does it in Under Siege to Tommy Lee Jones. Spoiler alert from a film from 1992, I think it is, or 91. He basically has a thing in Under Siege where he stabs Tommy Lee Jones in the fucking skull top down with like a bowie knife and then rams him into an electrical control console like he's already done it's over mate uh the most famous one of which i think takes place in march for that where he kills a guy called Screwface, who also turns out to be a secret twin of the villain that we thought was already dead so technically he kills this guy about three times yeah so he's already killed him but it turns out he didn't and then in the end he gets the real guy 
and basically lifts him up like Batman and Bane style and fucking cracks his spine over his knee. Guy's done. <laughs> and then he hurls him down a fucking shaft and the guy gets impaled. I think, it's like, there's no need hold for on. any of I this. I remember the scene and it's definitely like a dummy as well. Like it's oh, yeah. clearly in yeah. the thing you can see the moment where it switches to like a, just a dummy. He's it's like the opening scene of fucking Casino when that Robert De Niro flashbacks in which when Robert De Niro starts the car in Casino <laughs> and turns into a dummy. It's look out for that. Um, but yeah, so also unnecessary is his musical career, which is the most, the worst kind of like Southern fried sexual innuendo shit tequila soaked blues. Yeah, sex like did guitar. Robert Johnson die for this? The and fucking the mahogany vocals. wardrobe of a man with a wig, just the like fucking like. You can stop me anytime, Craig. No, no, keep going, please. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's also my Matthew McConaughey impression. <laughs> well, I go on with my next entry because yeah, number it's three, kind of in keeping for you. Um, please, there's a bit of yeah serendipity here. I've just noticed. Um, so my number three is Billy Bob Thornton. You said you wanted to be with me I never dreamed I'd have it all But something changed that day inside me And I believe it changed inside you too Yeah, Angelina and that was his non-hit, Angelina. <laughs> um, I think we can all guess who that was written about. That's taken from 2001's Private <laughs> Radio, Christ. I think. Private um, Radio. Yeah, Private Radio. Sorry, he's <laughs> obviously a famed film actor. but Yeah, he, quite a good one. <laughs> yeah, not a bad one. Um, didn't he have like a blow up on a radio station once where he... Yeah, it's about 10 years ago now. And I think since the radio presenter who was very much the hero of the piece then has been cancelled and he was like, he was a bit of a, he had issues in his personal life. I can't remember. There was assault stuff. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. At the time, he was visiting Canada with his band... The Boxmasters, I think, who were just like this <laughs> hillbilly music the nonsense thing. Yeah. And he rocked, Simpson. <laughs> he rocked up in the studios of like um CBC, which I think is Canada's like BBC equivalent, right? And um this um by all accounts very nice, genial, you know, Canadian radio host was, you know, completely playing the game and interviewing them. Um, and kind of in his intro, he said um, he was very deferential to the band, paying them a lot of respect, and just noted that you might know um, Billy Bob from like his um, illustrious film career, and like had a couple of lovely lines about h- how you'd know the guy before moving on to talk about their woeful, woeful music in glowing terms. What proceeded then was this interview where. He was talking to the band, but also Billy Bob. Anytime he turned to Billy Bob and asked him something, it was just like. He was totally frozen out. He was like, Billy Bob was answering in completely like fucking enigmatic stories about his childhood. And finally he snapped and he was like, you were told not to do this shit. Talk about my acting. It's like, would you, would you like, I think one of the questions was to Billy Bob. So was like music, you're kind of, I think you've said before music was your first passion. And he went, would you say that to Tom Petty? (laughs) 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 <laughs> so, uh, you may be aware that No Encore has a film offshoot called No Popcorn. Yeah. We recently did Sing Street, and during it we talked oh, yeah. about uh, a lot of different things, including Glenn Hansard. You know where I'm going with this, Craig, don't mm-hmm. you? I've already told the anecdote. For anyone who may not have heard it, do you want to tell the anecdote? Yeah, so Glenn Hansard was on a panel, a music show panel, which was um, a hot press. Oh, kind look of, at that, it all comes back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. It's like their big um, three-day kind of music convention where it'd be talks and exhibitions and blah, 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 talking about the state of the industry. 
Um, but uh, this was a panel being hosted by Olaf Tiernson at the time. Glenn Hansford was on it. I can't remember what they're chatting about, but basically Olaf was doing... He just introduced everybody. He was introducing, like... The four or five people on the panel, and for Glenn Hansard's introduction, he noted that he was an Oscar winner, which he is. Um, moved on to introducing everyone else, got on with the conversation, the, the fucking topic, which was probably, I don't know, how to get Irish music on the radio or something It was a like very that. generic yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Turned to Glenn Hansard for his like first question. A lot of time had elapsed. And Glenn was like, um, just before we get into this, I'd just like to point out that uh, I don't like to be uh, kind of known as a, an Oscar winner. Referred to as a... Yeah, uh, Oscar winner. What a prick. <laughs> because that implies that it's all about the accolades and <laughs> yeah. not about the art, and that's actually not the case. We were standing at the back of a very hot room, <laughs> being, and yeah. you could feel the air being sucked right out. So, yeah. yeah. It's amazing. We said earlier on, you can be more than one thing, but you got to make reference points, you know? It's fine. As for the song, I mean, wow, he sends a lot more tinnier and reedier than I thought he would he's got a deep voice but not when he sings what the hell is this yeah it's weird you'd have to see this with the video as well which is kind of black and white it's <laughs> I just, won't <laughs> it's an entire like for the entire song it's a close up of his face looking very very intense like he's singing this to Angelina Jolie and just like it's every like cheesy kind of boyfriend writing a shit song for their girlfriend and being like this is the first time anyone's been in love I picked this song because a lot of his material He's got songs like he's got a song on this album called Walk of Shame, which is basically about date rape, um, but in a kind of playful way. Uh, I guess it's parody, but it's like really poorly done. Um, so he's but, the Brian McFadden of. Um, but a lot of his, yeah, a lot of his stuff is kind of. To clarify, yeah, there was a song that went out once by Brian McFadden, which had a line, uh, I think it was the song called Drunk at the Bar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah, the lyrics are extremely questionable. That's all Only I'm li- saying. Get you liquored up and okay. blah, blah, blah. But yeah, like a lot of his stuff is like country and western hillbilly. Um, all the lyrics are kind of jokey. Um, I'm not taking this seriously stuff. So that's kind of the excuse he uses when people are like, you know, uh, you know, you're being too serious about this thing. This is an example of how serious he is about music. He thinks this is one of the greatest love songs of all time. And it's crap. <laughs> Number three for me, it wouldn't be a list from me if there wasn't a new metal track in there now, would it? Who could possibly, what celebrity got into the world of new metal, you ask? Well, here's the answer. That song is called Bleed All Over Me by Wicked Wisdom and Never the heard singer. Of <laughs> Never heard of him. The singer that you heard there doing her best bad splice of Kitty and Flyleaf and Lacuna Coil is Jada Pinkett Smith. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is real. And I saw them live, Craig. Where? So back in, I think it was 2006, Metallica played a gig in Dublin and they did a weird thing where they grafted on download from the UK post Ozfest the rebranding um, they did this strange thing where they created a second stage of this Metallica gig mm. and made it a big downloady kind of weekend I think I have this right it could be some gaps in my in my memory here and on stage two Stone Sour Corey Taylor and uh, Jim Reed of Slipknot who I had the pleasure of interviewing recently go check it out on joe.ie um, 
they were headlining stage too. There were some other bands around there, like one called Blood Simple and some others, and Wicked Wisdom were one of them. And it's funny because actually I mentioned the gym thing there, and I remember saying to him, oh, "I saw you play." I said, uh, and he goes, "He goes, yeah, I think you know we were playing with like Jada Pinkett Smith's metal band." And he was giggling. <laughs> they're not good. Um, it says they're still active. I don't think that they are. Whenabouts was this taken from? Like mid two thousands, yeah. And she, because I don't know much about Jada Pinkett Smith. I do know that she was like childhood friends with Tupac, right? And Tupac was like deeply in love with her. And I, I like she was kind of in a hip hop scene. Uh, did she talk much about her allegiance to metal and all things new metal at all? Like, when did this... Because if this was maybe... It kind of took the world by storm. I mean, like, I, I, I should... <laughs> she was probably clearly in her 30s when the, the band started. Well, I, I should say that, like, well, she's almost 50. I mean, I should say that I think J.D. Pinkett-Smith takes a bit of a bad rap. She's not a bad actor at all. No. She's got presence and charisma. She unfortunately will always be linked to her family and, you know, has probably more about her than maybe people give her credit for. However, this is not a good thing. And look... The one thing I can say is she seems into it, you know? I, yeah, she she did say, like, in terms of why she created Wicked Wisdom in the first place, she gave a quote saying, I listened to all kinds of metal as a kid. Metallica, Guns N' Roses, they were her two examples. I would always look at Axl Rose and say, why aren't there any chicks out there doing this now? I wanted an opportunity to get out there and rock out. So there you Fair go. Play. It's a very generic quote, though, and the song is very generic as well. Listen, listen, it's me. I'm a fucking sucker for this kind of stuff, right? <laughs> but this isn't good. It's so watered down. They landed a fucking slot opening up for Britney Spears on her tour in 2004 for eight dates. During- I'm guessing she can't use the Phineas excuse for that. Like, that's definitely a connection thing. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? What a weird coupling. Yeah, I don't know. There's other kind of stuff here, like where Sharon Osbourne went to see the band perform in a small nightclub in Los Angeles in 2005 and said, I was blown away. When you see and hear Jada with her band, it's apparent that she has nothing but love and respect for this genre of music. As such, they were announced for the second stage of 2005's OzFest, which would make sense because the following year, 2006 Dublin, download, they must have been part of the same... I guess, touring structure package thingamajig. Fans of the festival, Craig, were outraged, claiming that the band did not have the credibility to perform at the music festival. Jada Pinkett Smith came out and said, look, I'm not here asking for any favours. You've got to show and prove, and not every audience is going to go for it. So, you know, a nice a nice sentiment. I think, like... But a bad song and y- a bad band. Yeah, like, it's just so clunky and awful. I can't stand by the music, but definitely the sentiment, and you have to applaud. Like, it, this clearly wasn't opportunism. Like, you know, to get on board this kind of genre of no, music. No, it's a legitimate issues, passion like, project. Yeah, it's like, so fair play to And, her. like, it's it's kind of comparable to Keanu Reeves' Dogstar, but, like, at the same time, it didn't create much of a noise. Like, it, it was so kind of beholden to its own weird world. But, like I say, it says the band are still going. They're definitely not. Like, in 2011, she was photographed leaving a recording studio. <laughs> like, that's like, apparently, like, uh, they, they changed the band name to Wicked Evolution. <laughs> but, like, there's nothing. There hasn't been, there they hasn't been. a bassist. <laughs> there's, been, there's been no music since 2006. And maybe that's better off. What, okay. what you got up next? Yeah, well, speaking of passion projects, um, this is a very famous person altogether declaring their undying love for Randy Newman. November 5th. And now I'm 30, riding down my highway with my friends at my side. My life without them wouldn't be complete. They are my joy and pride. I've learned a lot from all my good friends about turning 30 on the left. Reach that stop. We're gonna party till we just can't party no more. 
Toy Story guy? The Toy Story guy. <laughs> this is um Chris Jenner and her um seminal 1985. Yeah, hang on. What I the believe, fuck did you just play? Because this non-release like <laughs> extremely like you just ripped it from a VHS. You tape. can't find it anywhere. I think this is taken from the original VHS tape. Uh it's called I Love My Friends. It's kind of a parody of um, Randy Newman's I Love L.A., which itself was a song about how awful everyone in L.A. was. So Chris Jenner clearly missing the, you know, the parodies there. So Okay, so the story with this is, I stumbled across it, right? It was 1985, morning in America. Chris Jenner has a couple of young kids. She's married to Robert Kardashian. Um, They're great friends with O.J. Simpson and his still-living wife, um, Sounds like a pretty good place to be in life. Yeah, Honestly, great what place could to possibly be. go wrong? She'd just turned 30, and to celebrate, she booked a recording studio, rewrote a Randy Newman song to talk about how much she liked her friends and also Bible study and like uh, cheesecake factories, and then shot a video to it. And shared it with all her probably very influential people. So this this is a weird one, right? Because it's clearly done. Oh, it's my birthday and I'm going to do something a bit wacky. But you know, particularly with who she is and her family's <laughs> actions over the years, this is the most opportunistic thing ever, right? This ever... is clearly her going, I'm doing kind of a joke, but also I'm going to share this with everyone in the industry and maybe this is going to launch something. Well, this is, you know... If if it was a genre, it would be called one percent, right? I mean, like, yeah. did you ever see the? Uh, I'm jumping ahead here, but did you see the? Uh, and spoiler alert, by the way, O.J. Simpson <laughs> didn't think things did not go well. Did you um ever see the uh, People versus O.J. Simpson TV show? No, I never watched it. Um, uh, David Schwimmer, there's there's a supercut <laughs> on YouTube of David Schwimmer uh, saying the word juice over and over again. And in fact, it's so good. Let's listen to it. Got it, Juice. When Chris and I broke up, the Juice was there for me every night. It's like he's not really the Juice anymore. We gotta get you dressed, Juice. Juice, Juice, a will? Juice, Juice, Juice. Come on, Juice. Juice! Juice. Juice, it's AC. Juice! AC's here! Juice. I heard Juice. It's on every channel. You know I feel the same, Juice. You're gonna tell them yourself, Juice. Juice. Your whole family's here, too. There you go, Craig. Important information. But, like, I guess there's a moment as well where David Schwimmer, who plays Robert Kardashian, and doesn't do a bad job. Yeah. Uh, there's a scene where he's in, like, a diner or something, right? And he's got, like, all the young Kardashians. You know, they're all children at this stage. And he's talking to them, and they're all, they're all, they all start fighting amongst each other. And he's like, no, no, no. You know, you guys need to stick together because, you know, like, someday. Like, and it's like, oh, for fuck's <laughs> foreshadowing, sake. Foreshadowing, foreshadowing, yeah, foreshadowing. absolutely ridiculous. Like, uh, there's uh, some amazing inadvertent foreshadowing in the video for this where at about, like, it's like three minutes into it, like, loads of Chris Jenner's friends are popping up to, like, wave to camera. And there's Juice! I think he's wearing gloves. I, I can't tell. Okay. I, 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 yeah, I think we're getting into really dangerous yeah, territory. But this here, is so. utterly bizarre because it's like, it sounds like weird outsider art, but as you say, from the 1%. Bizarre. Right. Okay. Uh, let's move to a, a completely, <laughs> probably just as problematic world, I suppose. Wrestling. Professional wrestling, Craig. Yep. If professional wrestling was going to birth a music star, who would it be? Kurt Angle. Incorrect. It's... Oh, you had those t- 
when they tell us we do a real fight, he passed. I called him out, but the punk was scared to go. It was a charity event, but the whole didn't show. Macho Man Randy Savage, Craig. The yeah. late, great Macho Man Randy Makes Savage. More sense. He's no longer with us. No. But before he departed, he this left song. Us. <laughs> It's the greatest rap albums of all time. <laughs> like, like, I've seen people. I've seen people in the YouTube comments being like, "Now I know where DMX got his sound from." Eh? Yeah, I was thinking that. It people, exactly like DMX. People have been very receptive towards "Be a Man" by Macho Man Randy Savage, a call-out song for Hulk Hogan, who he legitimately hated in real life. This yeah, went beyond. It went beyond the pageantry. He legitimately hated the man. Hulk Hogan would get the last laugh, unfortunately, when Macho Man Randy Savage was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. I thought you were going to say when he died. Well, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I guess you could say that too, but like when Macho Man was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, uh, Hulk Hogan did the intro, and everyone was like, Macho Man despised this guy. He stole all of his heat. He was a notorious prick to him, played politics all this time and whatever. Macho Man was definitely somebody who faced a lot of demons in his life, but by the end of his life, he seemed to have kind of like calmed down. Looks like he found love and a new family. Unfortunately, he tragically died uh, when he was out driving one day, had a heart attack and crashed his car. Jeez. It's a really horrible way to go. Um, left behind a big legacy. One of the most charismatic professional wrestlers you will ever have seen. Influential today. Just his interview style, his his look, his ability in the ring. That time he popped up in a Spider-Man movie, which he references on this song, by the way. And while we're on the subject, do you remember that in the Spider-Man film when Spider-Man fights Bonesaw as I Randy Savage? This whatsoever, no. And there's a sequence where Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man climbs up on the cage and he's like get down here and like Tobey Maguire goes <laughs> that's a nice outfit did your husband give it to you and you're like oh cool Fucking unreal hell. that's who I'm cheering for is different it? Okay, times fine. different times you're a rap aficionado how does Macho Man hold up here <laughs> hot diggity damn hookster <laughs> like, I mean he's clearly in on the joke I feel like it's a you know it makes sense if you're going to have a diss track, it might as well come from a wrestler, right? They're very similar lanes in terms of what you're trying to pull off. It's the one place where if you call someone out, it's probably going to lead to something. Yeah, and I think his it whole didn't. his whole, his whole <laughs> shtick was kind of like dad trying to use terms he heard like all the kids using. So it is it is kind of haunting how DMXian he might be. Um, but yeah, this is woeful. Do you think it's woeful? Do you think there's nothing good in it? It's fun, like, but it's... I think it's it's is it supposed to be woeful? I like don't, those, it sounds like he's he's rapping over a like this is just a MIDI track. It's so bad. <laughs> yeah, <the track laughs> you know what I mean. It's so awful, <laughs> and the backing vocals are dreadful as well. Some of the lyrics are fucking astonishing. Oh my god! See the artwork, did you? No, I don't oh, think the, the artwork's artwork. astonishing. It's Macho Man in like the late era, so he's wearing all black, and uh, he's wearing like much like Hulk Hogan, he's wearing a uh, tasteful formal tasteful <laughs> funeral bandana do rag combo. And it's him with a giant comedy chain. So maybe, yeah, maybe time has been unkind to the Macho Man. Yeah, yeah. To the King of Madness himself. All right, time for my number one. <laughs> it is terrible. <laughs> Go on. It's atrocious. It's atrocious. Uh, time for my number one. Um, a lot of people were kind of mentioning Kim Kardashian's foray into music. It seemed way, way too obvious. So obviously being uh, the kind of the hipster that I am, I was like, let's go with the deep cut of Chris Jenner. Then I went and listened to the Kim Kardashian song. And here it is. Oh, 
Oh, my number one is Jam Brackets. Turn it up. And Turn it off, mate. I, yeah, that's right. I'm I don't think, I, I don't shit think DJ I'd joke. heard this before. So I, like, I stuck it on during the week and I could not what believe is what was what happening. Is and then I started reading about it and the dream worked on this. <laughs> the dream and the guy behind Rihanna's umbrella. And like this was put together by talented people. Um, he said so stressed. <laughs> it's unreal. I have to say, right, like the Chris Jenner thing is utterly bizarre um, and it's awful, but like it's kind of in the ballpark of her understanding what music and melody is supposed to be. Kim Kardashian. Like so many attempts from celebrities to do the musical thing is them like really over egging it and just sounding horrendous because they're trying to do Mar- Mariah Carey type of stuff. Kim Kardashian has no interest in this whatsoever. The vocal is so jaded and just atonal and it's like, it's the void. It's the abyss. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, okay. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's sensational. I think it is. Like it's, uh, you know, it's the, and also, do you know what it is? It's the repetition of the last word of every sentence. Like they didn't have you picked up on that. Did they you? didn't bother writing like proper lyrics or even making like the syntax or like the kind of the beat or measure scan whatsoever. So it was all the like I'm going out tonight, and then she kind of goes tonight. <laughs> it's just like I head straight to the front of the line, the line. <laughs> like what is happening, Craig? You're really upsetting me right now. This is like grim. Oh my God. This is very very grim. Okay, listen. I'm I'm just gonna call an audible here. I'm just gonna brush right past this. I agree with you. It's a fucking trash fire and it's awful. Well done. It's amazing. You hit the brief. Yeah, like she is. She's talked about how this is the biggest regret of her entire career. Really, and she's just like, why did I think like I can't sing? I had no business doing music. Yeah, so I'll say this. I'll say this. We're kind of Kim Kardashian yeah, listen, fans. Kim Kardashian, not a war criminal. So no, I've not at all. A lot and times. I believe actually this was kind of like at least partially a charity thing. But my God, as music goes, this is not music. Okay, look, as someone who's associated with Hollywood, she had a crack at it. It didn't work. Yeah. However. What's important is that we have people out there who are still commanding massive, massive, inflatable, huge figures at the box office, but they still have time to get into a recording studio and give us all something that we can enjoy at the end of a cold, hard day at the office, you know? Like like sinking a, a, a nice cold beer out of the freezer. I know it's a really obvious choice, everybody, and I thought about it, and I thought about not having it, and I thought about it being my number five and a quick intro... But as it turned out, it has to be. It has to be Jeremy Renner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Every time I take a ride, I feel alive with nowhere to go. I'm the king of the road. You're the queen of my throne. Riding high day and night, satisfied wherever we roam. You're the star of the show. You did the necessary. <laughs> I fucking did, and so did he. This song is called Main Attraction, and Craig, I have listened to it so often this week, I'm terrified it's going to pop up in my Spotify on repeat now. And I put out a tweet at the end of a hard day of work, and I said, nothing like clocking off after a tough day at the office and listen to a song that just gets you. And I'm like, I hope people understand that I was completely taking the piss. This is just beyond. We we re, we we talked about heaven don't have a name. 
But yeah. I, this one almost goes a little bit further. I mean, it's not as audacious, but like it contains intense swagger. It's got a celebrity cameo filled video on YouTube where the comments are turned off, by the way. <laughs> what the fuck, Jeremy? I know you shut down that app, but you can't shut down the rest of the internet, can you? Um, it's really glitzy and gaudy and, you it know, sounds, it sounds dragon-y to me, and... Uh, oh, yeah, it's clearly going for that, like, in the trailer for a new Sky Atlantic drama. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Isn't it? It's, it's all like about, the stomper and the kind of... Oh, but it's like, all about, like, the verse emerges as the most throwaway thing ever because he's just like, you know what, I'm really fucking bored now. Let's get into that chorus. Let's fucking scream. But let's not scream so hard that it will hurt my voice because I've got uh, a voiceover session in the morning. Let's have my producer man just whack up every single dial in the studio, hit every single preset possible, and we're making magic, baby. Oh my god. Yeah, like, Renner was on my long list. Um, I couldn't decide between songs. He definitely has to be here. Uh, I've watched... I've been trying to figure out why he's into... Like, why he's gone about this music career, right? It's as kind of... It's as bizarre as the whole app thing. Because every time he's interviewed about it, he kind of talks about how he likes music in a really... Like he's an alien trying to pretend that he is a human that likes the music. lyrics. But he, <laughs> oh my god, I'm king of the road. You're, you're the queen of my throne, or something, which isn't even a thing. The queen of my throne. So I think that's a lyric. Every time I take a ride, I feel alive with nowhere to go. <laughs> and then auto tune comes in. Yeah, I'm a king of the road. You're the queen of my throne. Riding high day and night, satisfied wherever we roam. And I think he's like, wherever we were, and it's like, what, what are you doing? Uh, you're the star of the show, you shimmer like gold. It's it's like all of these songs are written about, as you said before, a woman that couldn't possibly exist. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was your uh, your rationale, I believe? It was just such a kind of, uh, such a cavalcade she kicks her, she of kicks cliches. Old school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like a workshopped woman for people, like for men having a midlife crisis. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on my second divorce. My kids don't want to talk to me. But now, baby, let's ride. It's so fucking vile. Look, I went around YouTube <laughs> trying to, first of all, find out why he actually liked music. And I couldn't find any influences. He didn't, I he went never, around YouTube. Looking at interviews of him speak. Have you seen him like speak as a human being? He's not a great... He's very cold. He's, yeah, yeah. He's standoffish and I can't really figure him out. And like, I actually like him as an actor when he's in proper roles like The Hurt Locker and Wind River or whatever. Like, fuck the superhero stuff. But Yeah, but I couldn't find one interview where he, when he mentioned like some music that he actually liked. He talked about like kind of doing music when he was growing up and he made like cardboard instruments and charged people to watch him play them which isn't music it's acting which <laughs> is like a stick to that elaborate torture like. but there's there's one interview with him right where I think it's like a it's like an iHeartRadio or some like Live Nation abomination thing where he's just chatting to a really upbeat guy on camera and the guy is asking him like um, we've got Kiefer Sutherland coming here obviously at the weekend will Jeremy Renner ever hit the stage and give live performances right which I wanted to know as well your man asked was like that's a great question I would go see him tomorrow yeah, so I'd would pay I. money but for about two the next two minutes Jeremy Renner doesn't answer the question whatsoever he just starts talking about how <laughs> live music is a different thing it's a different way of experiencing music which all people experience and that's the thing everyone's you know experience of music is different and that's why I like music right <laughs> so he's like your man is completely baffled he's like is that like are you going to do it then and he kind of says and enigmatically if the people want it 
I might just do it. <laughs> and the guy, the guy like cracks the jokes, just like, so there, you heard here first, Jeremy Renner available for birthday parties. <laughs> and Jeremy Renner just goes, like, not making a joke, but just deadpan goes, yeah, like, I'll dress up like a clown. I'll make water animals. And your man goes, balloon animals? <laughs> and he goes, yes, balloon animals. It's so strange. And then they move on to talking about um, his partnership with Jeep. <laughs> well, to be fair, that's where this all came from. Yeah. Like, it, like it, it was all this wonderful, <laughs> <laughs> lucrative partnership that benefited us all, you know, not just Jeremy's bank balance, but it, but, but it's funny because you mentioned that, um, the idea of that kind of alien detachment thing. Yeah. I guess like a lot of kind of big movie stars have it. Like, I mean, it, 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 it I, like I've, I've said before that I would love to interview, you know, a Daniel Craig, for example, even yeah. though I love the work of Jeremy Renner, I wouldn't love, I mean, I love some of it. <laughs> <laughs> this, he's your favorite actor. <laughs> you might say he's the main attraction. Craig. Oh. Um, I feel like I wouldn't necessarily want to interview him, but like, have you ever read that thing before? I think it came out about two years ago where like, and I'm a big fan of Tom Cruise, but like Tom Cruise was asked a question in an interview and the question was, do you have a most memorable movie going experience? Do you know what his answer was? It wasn't one of his own movies. No. Oh, okay. So Tom Cruise was asked, do you have a most memorable movie going experience? And the answer was as follows. Boy, that's hard to say because I can basically look at my whole life in terms of films I've seen. To name just one there's so, so many films that have been memorable to me. I love movies. I can remember since I was a little kid going to the theatre or the drive-in and what it meant to me. When the lights go down and I'm just taking on a journey. This is Renner! Going <laughs> to places that I didn't even know existed or different worlds that I wished were real. Incredible adventures. Drama. Comedy. That's what I love. I love the cinema experience. I prefer it with a packed audience. That's what we dream about when we're making these films too. <laughs> Thinking of that group experience. There's nothing like it. And nothing like seeing it on a big screen with great sound and exactly the way it's meant to be. That has never changed for me. I love it. <laughs> I was expecting that to maybe finish with like a... a anyone remember Doctor No? <laughs> like oh, a man. Remy Malik, so I'll just throw it. Yeah, apparently the new James Bond film is uh, 163 minutes long. Yeah, nearly three hours. Well, hey, you went to the fucking... Uh, this is the end of the show. You went to cinema, didn't you? I went to see Parasite, finally. <laughs> Unbelievable, you um, went to the cinema. The most hyped movie of all time, I feel, at this point. <laughs> um, I very, very much enjoyed it. Honestly, you don't agree with Donald Trump. I think Trump. it was... Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, what was it? What was that? Was such a rambling. He basically, bizarre. was like, "How dare Korean people make he was films?" Ca- but he was kind of in like his Donald Trump stand-up mode, where he was joking. He's like, "I haven't seen it. Is it good? It's Charmed, good. were you?" And, <laughs> but then, <laughs> like his audience, the thing about his audience is they're all like you know eighty plus. I guess it's very much the Fox News audience where they're being advertised we're like customers and get stuff. Emails, Greg. <laughs> Actually, but I'm 30. Then it, and I'm a big Trump fan. Um, They're out there. Yeah, he goes, you know, I remember when um, it used to be American films winning this, blah, blah, blah. And he, then he just goes, I think we need to get back Gone with the Wind. And everyone in the crowd is like, yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, Sunset Boulevard, so many great films. Sunset Boulevard. What does he even mean? Like a reboot? Many, <laughs> no, it didn't. Cheers, People though. haven't seen it. Um, no, yeah. It's a great film. And it's an excellent film, yeah. I think there's like LGBTQ connotations to that movie as well, which Trump fans might not be terribly into. I don't know. I don't make any mass generalizations. <laughs> anyway, four more years. So um, uh, five more songs or five more whatever the fuck, I guess, next week. What, what, what are we doing next week, top five? Next week we'll be chatting uh, Choice Music Pro. Of That's course, correct, yeah. um, there will be only one winner. Um, and in keeping <laughs> with that sentiment, we're going for oh, 
Dohi <laughs> We hope and we pray our boy Dohi reigns victorious. Yeah, man. For our top five, we're going big victory songs. We're going songs that will inspire you to victory. We're going the top five motivational songs um, for both of us. All right, okay. I'm very much looking forward to this. I feel like we've kind of had this conversation years ago I also about feel songs like, that will get you going. I feel like we're going to have crossover, but I don't know that, so we'll see. Yeah, I haven't... There's different routes you can take with yeah, this. Right? I don't want to know. Don't tell me. No, let's do a complete surprise. Yeah. Uh, I'm hyped for it. And All I will right. be even more hyped because that is the point of the segment. This episode <laughs> of No Encore was engineered by Sonic Architect Adam Shanahan. Have you been listening to anything else this week, Craig? I haven't had the time. No, it's been all kind of grimes. I gave one listen to the Moses Sumney record, which sounds very good. I'll have to um, pay more attention to it. Oh, Perfume Genius is back. Um, the first track um, from that album has dropped, which is described, which sounds crazy good. Um, he's such a kind of shape-shifting artist. Great to have him back. There's been like loads of stuff coming out. I just haven't had time. You- I think it's been actually a good start to the year. It has, yeah, yeah. Busier than usual. I need to kind of make some time and catch up with some stuff that I've missed as well. So maybe I'll have that report next week. But also next week, of course, in a few days after this episode drops, like I said at the start of the show, there'll be a full interview at Lancome with mm. Dara Lynch and Rady Pete of that band coming out into your feed. Check it out. As I always say on this show, tell your friends. It does matter. And we'll be back very, very soon. Think that's about it for this week, Craig. It is. Yeah. Love you, bye. See you, bye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Enjoy! Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.